I have to borrow the blurb from the inside of the dust jacket on this book to introduce it. A searching and provocative examination of the widespread institutional rot that threatens our collective future. Thus the blurb for The Great Degeneration, How Institutions Decay and Economies Die by Neil Ferguson. His newest book, you may recognize his name as the author of The Ascent of Money and uh, recognize his voice from the PBS series based on The Ascent of Money that won the International Emmy for Best Documentary. Uh, Hello, Neil, and uh, thanks for being here on Cincinnati Edition. Hello, Mark. Pleasure to join you. I have to say, and I, I did uh, before we went on the air, mention to you that uh, this book very much uh, was frightening to me because it sets up some very bleak futures for what seem to be some very, well, successful countries. What brought you to shine the light on these dark corners of our institutions? Well, I spent some time in the last few years writing about why the rest of the world was catching up with us, led, of course, by China. And the argument of my last book, Civilization, was simply that they are copying the way we do things and improving their institutions and becoming, as a result, more competitive. And I'm fine with that. You know, it's great to see hundreds of millions of people dragged up out of poverty. But there's something else going on, which is a lot more disquieting, and that is that we in the West, the United States, but also Europe, are getting less and less good at what we used to do. Our institutions, which used to be the best in the world, are no longer. In fact, they're degenerating. So the central argument of the book is we have a problem, and it's a problem we're not talking about. We endlessly debate deficits, stimulus, austerity, quantitative easing, a whole bunch of technocratic uh, jargon about macroeconomics. We should be talking about these institutional problems that are at the heart of the great degeneration. Well, you mentioned uh, early in the book about Adam Smith's Wealth of the Nations and uh, where he's talking about the stationary state. Of course, at the time he was talking about China, but now that does seem like it is the, the U.S. and Europe. Right, because look, look at the numbers. We still have, five years after the financial crisis began, 12 million people out of work, another 6 million who would like to be working full-time but are forced to work part-time. The economy is growing, but in a pretty pathetic way by the standards of previous recoveries. And the idea that this can all be fixed by some tweak uh, of a macroeconomic lever, uh, whether a bigger deficit or more money printing, is just plain wrong. The problems are, are profound. One, we have a fiscal system that is ratcheting up burdens that will have to be shouldered by future generations. And by the way, the title, The Great Degeneration, is a pun on the fact that there's a generational conflict right at the heart of American life today, Mm -hmm. and not only in the U.S., this is true throughout the Western world, the relatively old, call them the baby boomers, have been living and continue to live at the expense of future generations. And that is a major problem. If you're young, the outlook is not very promising, not just in terms of jobs, but you are going to be saddled with a great bunch of debt that was accumulated by your grandparents and, and parents. That's just part of a, of a whole series of issues that concern me. There's the problem of crazy and over-complex regulation, which you encounter if you start a small business in this country. In my own experience, it's now easier to start a business in old England than in new England, which is crazy <laughs> because I came to the U.S. thinking it was the land of enterprise. I don't think it is anymore. Uh, you have the rule of lawyers, the, the, the crazy, out-of-control litigation that characterizes American life and is a huge headache for business, almost as big a headache as the regulation. 
And finally, the very disturbing disintegration of civil society and decline of social mobility. This used to be the, the land of the American dream, where you could get to the top, even if you start at the bottom with hard work and a bit of luck. It's no longer true. Social mobility is actually lower in this country than it is in Europe, in the old country. So things are going wrong. And we need to do something about these things, or we're going to find ourselves in Adam Smith's stationary state with very low growth and great inequality. Well, I'll begin with that last point you were making about social networks and clubs and associations and uh, some fascinating figures from Robert Putnam that you uh, put in the book that talks about the decline of uh, membership and, and clubs, Lions Club, Rotary Club, bowling leagues and the like that have been going on. And, and, and you mentioned the Internet is no replacement for that. People will say, well, it's a f- small world. I'm, I'm, I'm much more social. But you, you argue in the book that that's just not the case. I think it's a myth that Facebook is a substitute for real associations of people who meet uh, and live nearby one another. Indeed, there's some pretty impressive evidence that Facebook is most effective when it's used by pre-existing traditional networks of people who know one another as friends or as colleagues. It's not uh, on its own really a social network at all. And, And I think the illusion that we've got more integrated, more networked is very powerful. And it distracts us from the reality that we are less and less actively involved in associations than, than we used to be. Uh, when, when Robert Putnam first wrote Bowling Alone, which was originally an essay back in 95, it was already striking how much had, uh, had changed and how far Americans had ceased to be active members of associations. But this has just continued since then, so that even the things that we think are very distinctively American, like churches, have seen a very steep decline in active membership from more than half the population to barely a third. And if you look right across the board at all the different associations out there, professional, artistic, and cultural, they have all been shrinking to the point that Americans now are about as active as citizens as Europeans are. Well, back in the 19th century, when a European Alexis de Tocqueville came to the U.S., what most impressed him was the vitality of associational life. He said, it's amazing. Americans sort out their problems themselves. They don't expect government to do it. Well, that's no longer true. We now expect government to sort our problems out. And unfortunately, that that is a very dangerous expectation to have. I was very surprised uh, in your chapter two about the economy, the Darwinian economy, as you titled the chapter, where you talk about the economic co- collapse that uh, we've been going through that uh, wasn't uh, due to deregulation, but due to too much regulation, which uh, I, I found slightly counterintuitive until I read more of the chapter and realized that's true. You, you talked about starting a business in old England versus new England and uh, how much regulations are, are very prohibitive. You know, it's become one of the great myths of the financial crisis that it was caused by deregulation. This is such a persistent myth that almost everybody believes it. But when you look closely, it can't be true because, in fact, the amount of regulation, the number of people employed by regulators, and the sheer volume of regulation of the financial industry grew significantly in the uh, 10 or so years prior to the financial crisis. And indeed, if you look at the long run, the trend is absolutely unmistakable towards a more and more regulated system with only a brief period of deregulation under Ronald Reagan. So unless you believe that somehow what Ronald Reagan did back in the 1980s caused what happened in 2007-2008, you have to recognize that regulation may in fact be the disease of which it pretends to be the cure. And I think that's right because... In fact, the financial crisis happened in the most regulated part 
of the Western economies, the banking system. It didn't happen amongst the hedge funds. It happened where there was supposed to be really quite tight regulation. Uh, now, that regulation failed, very obviously, and the regulators uh, were asleep at the wheel in many cases. But you can't say there was a lack of, of regulation. Uh, indeed, the regulation has got steadily more complex. For example, the regulation of bank capital, which is pretty crucial uh, to the financial system. Basel I, the first attempt to have an international agreement on this, was a pretty simple document. It was maybe 50 pages. By the time we get to Basel III, it's like 600-plus pages. So the regulation, in fact, became more complex over time. The regulators on both sides of the Atlantic became more numerous. And that is precisely what made the system fail. Its very complexity made it less stable. It also made it easier for the insiders uh, to game the system. And that's a big problem with very complex uh, regulatory networks. They're an advantage to the big, too big to fail institutions. They're a disadvantage for the new entrants, the small businesses who want to try and compete. Well, obviously, from the view of an economic historian, things are looking rather bleak for uh, Western civilization, if you may. Uh, any hope for us? Is there any hope that we can change these things? Because you, you, you uh, kind of end the book on, on not so optimistic now. I am an optimist. I'm not a declinist. I don't think we're done. Uh, on the contrary, I think that all of these problems that I detail in The Great Degeneration can be fixed. Uh, we also have certain advantages in the U.S., demographic advantages. We have an energy advantage thanks to shale gas and tight oil. But the key thing is that we have to address the problems I'm talking about. We have to fix our public finances so that it is no, no longer a, a Ponzi scheme that will finally bankrupt our kids and grandchildren. We have to fix this problem of, of crazy regulation, which is making it very difficult for small businesses to expand. And remember, it's small businesses that create jobs, and, and therefore anything that discourages them from expanding is, is essentially killing jobs. We need to get the lawyers under control with some tort reform. And you know what would be a great idea? We need to found a bunch of new schools. We need to create some real competition in, uh, in the high school space so that we're no longer relying on broken state uh, education to, to educate our teenagers. That's the single biggest reason that social mobility is declining. If you're born into a poor zip code, the chances are that your high school will suck. And that is, of course, why uh, you know, we don't have the social mobility that we used to have in America. Neil Ferguson is the Lawrence A. Tisch Professor of History at Harvard University and author of the new book, The Great Degeneration, How Institutions Decay and Economies Die, available where books are sold. You can learn more uh, about Neil and his work and the book at our website, wvxu.org. This is Cincinnati Edition.